listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 There is uncertainty with Burrow, but today it seems like in the news some of that uncertainty has been addressed. Yeah, and his surgeon, the guy who did the operation on Joe Burrow's injured knee last year in speaking with uh, Adam Schefter of ESPN, uh, he says that he uh, is expecting Burrow to be ready to go. Obviously, the Bengals open up the season on Fox at home hosting the Minnesota Vikings. So here's my skeptics question. When does a doctor, when does a team, when does a player ever acknowledge the fragility, the fragileness of an injured athlete? Meaning after RG3's rookie year, got hurt in the playoffs, Uncle Mike Shanahan making some controversial decisions. (laughs) Um, The... There wasn't next year. There wasn't a oh man, he's never going to be the same. You know, you you didn't hear that press conference. So do we just discount this as just uh, pointless talk that doesn't cost him anything? Or Jonas, do we think the fact he's talking, the fact he's out there talking, is the good sign that if he wasn't healthy, if he wasn't going to be a hundred percent, they wouldn't say anything. Is the fact of him talking the good sign or is this kind of pointless? I, I also, well, I, I think it's, I think it's a good sign. And, I, and I'm not too concerned with it. Obviously I'm always aware of if a guy comes off an injury like that, especially there was an angle where they showed the way his knee bent. It was an Ugh. awful injury. It was terrible. Um, and just to see how the pocket collapsed around him. So uh, of course uh, my, my senses are heightened to keep an eye out on that. Cause that could be an issue moving forward but with Joe Burrow I don't look at him like a guy who relies solely on his legs he's mobile enough he's athletic enough for sure but if this were a Lamar Jackson or a Deshaun Watson a guy who really relied on his mobility I'd be more concerned with it I I just think he's Mm. he's much more dependent on throwing the ball as opposed to using his mobility so therefore I'm not as concerned as I would be for other guys that's Jonas Knox we're straight out of Vegas I'm RJ Bo does that presuppose then that you think his mobility will be hindered, that you're saying because of the severity of that injury, and we're speculating here, um, because of the severity of that injury, that the fact he doesn't rely on his mobility means his decrease of mobility doesn't really hurt him that bad, but that presupposes a decrease. Or are you saying it's possible, and thus the risk is less because it doesn't mean as much, you don't know it's going to decrease. I mean, obviously you don't know for sure, but it sounds like you sense that there will be a, a decrease. Yeah, I don't know how anybody is the same after suffering an injury like that. E- you know, even you know people that make you know they recover from it and they come back. I, I don't know that you're that you're ever the same following a major surgery like that. It's why I'm also curious to see you know the minor surgery Tom Brady had on his knee. I you know I'm, I'm just wondering anytime somebody cuts you open, you know how is that going to look afterwards? And and so yeah, I, I I do think there could be a little bit of an issue. Maybe he's not quite as mobile, Joe Burrow. Um, as, as he was before coming off the injury, but I I, I don't I don't look at it. Yeah, like but Lamar the move, I think the movement in the pocket is. They said Mac Jones was an example, and Brady's an example where they don't seem mobile, but their movement in the pocket, five feet one way, five feet the other, is really important. And they say Joe Burrow meets that that he falls in that category that he's um, he's sneakily good moving left to right and shuffling in the pocket. And thus, that would be a question after the injury. 
Yeah, and, and also the fact that it was, you know, a major like there was also yeah. additional issues that they found upon doing the surgery. Uh, I think it was uh, his ACL and MCL were uh. torn, and and the wording on it was that there was additional structural damage to the knee. So it's something to watch, um, and and, I, and I'm fascinated to see how he is in the pocket. It's why. I, I was surprised that they went the, and made the decision to draft a wide receiver when yes. they had Panay Sewell sitting there. I didn't well, understand. Well, remember now, it wasn't their – yeah, it was the Bengals' decision, but by all accounts, Joe Burrow was a strong advocate to draft a receiver, which to me, you know, formerly of LSU, to me that means – that he's not that worried about his knee because if you yeah. and maybe that's just irrational optimism from an athlete, but if you're really worried, you don't want to take another hit on that knee. Aren't you more inclined to want the lineman? Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah, and, and especially a guy who many people projected uh, being a you know a top two or three talent in the entire draft. He was sitting there, he was available, and they just went ahead and went with wide receiver. I didn't, you know, and and. Joe Burrow obviously played with Jamar Chase, so he knows him, and they have a relationship. But I just I can't help but think about the way that knee looked, the injury, how devastating it was. I'd want to I'd want to protect him as much as possible, and I felt yeah, like I missed an opportunity. But in a way, him having his say. Here's the thing: if you think about a team's long term viability, is keeping a quarterback that really in five years could leave, or at least at that point be franchised and leave in six or seven. If the idea of that is that ultimately Joe Burrow staying is more important than any other decision you might make, whatever the marginal difference was between the lineman and the receiver, if Joe Burrow's really behind the receiver, really he's probably the right selection. Even if you had the receiver 12th on your board and you had the lineman third. So you're thinking, man, there's a pretty major difference here. There's nine slots different. But how much is those nine slots worth? When we all know everyone's grading is imperfect, when the quarterback's either going to be happy or mad based on what you do, they probably made the smart decision, even if they didn't like the receiver the best. Now you add in if he gets hurt again, eh, it gets complicated because he obviously has the best feel of how injured he is. But again, some, some athletes have irrational optimism. So the Bengals aren't known to make great decisions, but that was a complicated one. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Albert Breer was talking and talking about the very trades, and this is one of the perspective ones. Three first-rounders and Drew Locke. One, I don't know if that's worth it or not, because, I mean, he is, he had a hell of a year. And one of the things about Aaron Rodgers is, and I think this is condemning, but it also is something to consider. It felt like Jordan Love being drafted led him to try extra hard, you know, focus, offseason work, etc. And he had his best year in six years, and maybe his best year ever, but certainly his a, uh, an A-plus year for the first time in six years. Was that a choice? Because if he could have done it just because he was peeved, that means his lack of being peeved or his lack of motivation caused the five lesser years prior. And they weren't just by a little bit. We looked at QBR. He had like an average QBR over those five years. Average, not even above. I'm not saying he wasn't above average. Stats sometimes don't give you the whole story, but he wasn't that far above. And the stats said average. And then he had, it could be said, one of the best years in the history of the NFL. I mean, really, it was an amazing year last year. 
was that just random? Was it fluky or was it lack of effort? Now the question is, let's assume effort was an issue. How effort-driven will he be this year? Because if he somehow goes back to Green Bay, I can't imagine he's going to want to put up the same year because he's going to feel like, oh, I'm doing it for the guys I hate, apparently. So if you trade for him, you could make the case that he's going to be super motivated to prove Green Bay wrong, to show everyone it was worth trading for him. So, Jonas, let me ask you this. Would you agree that if I said we could have two universes, like a simulation, one, he goes back to Green Bay, and we look at his QBR, the other, he goes anywhere else, and we look at his QBR, I think that I would bet major money on the non-Green Bay QBR being higher because of motivation. Do you agree with that? Yeah, no, I would agree. Yeah, I think I think if he goes to, say, Denver, just for example, I think he has a better year there than if he stays in Green Bay. And Denver is a place you could say he has more playmakers, though obviously 26-6 and six the last two years in the regular season is mighty good for Green Bay as a team, for LaFleur as a coach. Now here's the next question. If you're Green Bay and you're looking to keep your job and you know, as I've coined the phrase, the Jordan Love judgment is coming. The Jordan Love judgment, you get the J's, alliteration, is coming. And I think they want to delay it a year. To me, if you can get a quarterback coming back like a Derek Carr, a guy who's a top 12 quarterback, now all of a sudden, Jordan Love, there might not even be that judgment. Because if somehow Carr kicks butt, you resign him. Hey, Jordan Love's a backup, or Jordan Love gets traded. But if you're winning, no one's going to be mad. You're not going if you if you go 11 and six, you're not going to get fired if you traded for Carr. But if Jordan Love has to start this year, the judgment is coming, and by all accounts, it's not going to be a pleasant one for Green Bay. Now it could be he could surprise, but they're playing the numbers. It's a calculated risk. And don't you agree, Jonas, that all this Denver talk and the idea of uh, Drew Locke coming back, I have zero interest in Drew Locke being that that stepping stone. Because if so, and he plays bad, it's you might not even get to Jordan Love. Or maybe you're forced to put Jordan Love in the middle of the year when they don't. It feels like the Raiders trade is so much more attractive yeah. than Denver. Why is the obsession with Denver? I don't understand. It's the media. It's the odds. There's something going on that isn't public. Because I don't understand why Green Bay would want to have the Jordan Love judgment now instead of a year from now after Derek Carr. Well, one thing that that I've thought about, um, Green Bay got kind of burned in the or, – or, or the, the, the Oakland Raiders at the time they were the Oakland Raiders before they went to Las Vegas. Um, one of the things that happened when they traded Khalil Mack is they had two offers on the table. They had an offer from the Green Bay Packers and they had an offer from the Chicago Bears. And they took the Bears offer because they thought those first-round picks were going to be worth more because they thought the Bears were going to be worse. As it turns out, it worked the opposite. Green Bay was the worst team and so therefore they looked back on it and said, we could have had this pick. Instead, we had that just based on wrongly guessing uh, where, where this is going to be at. Anybody you trade Aaron Rodgers to is going to improve. So maybe Green Bay is trying to do what the Raiders were trying to do, which was, all right, 
what are those first-round picks going to look like in the future? Because if, if you're talking about a pick that's in the high 20s, maybe you're not getting back the compensation that, that, that you would think you would. Yeah, but, but under that theory, Jonas, I'm starting to interrupt, but correct me if I'm wrong. Wouldn't you say Denver has better prospects with Aaron Rodgers than the Raiders would? See, I, I don't know. I, I don't be and, and I don't know because I think he looks at a guy like an offensive minded coach like John Gruden and, and maybe the idea is all right, get him with that guy who can put together this this great offense with these young dynamic playmakers and Darren Waller and, and, and a legitimate running back and maybe they view that as, oh. as a significant upgrade. I also look, he's gonna then find himself in a division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. So so then we've either we've way. Got, yeah, and, and so there's going to I, – I look at – if I'm the Packers and I'm looking for value that I'm going to get back, I agree with you. It's got to be Derek Carr. Like, yeah, I need yeah. I need Derek Carr. If, Plus, if, if you if, take Derek Carr, you're getting a first-round – I mean, Derek Carr's probably worth one first-rounder. So, in a way, you're getting a first-rounder that's a sure thing, and it extends your job, it seems like. Yeah. And wherever the team that Rodgers is traded to drafts becomes less important because the draft choices become a smaller percentage of the package you're getting back. So there's something about this rate. And I'll tell you this, from the Vegas perspective, if you say uh, rank NFL teams as if quarterbacks didn't matter, or another way to think of it is everyone has the same robot quarterback that plays exactly the same quality. So now everything else is what matters. Denver is ahead of the Raiders, and it's not even close. Uh, It's really not, because you think about how bad Denver's lock, how bad he's been, Versus Carr being pretty good, and Denver hasn't done that much worse than the Raiders. Now, you actually say even quarterbacks, and you look at the playmakers Denver has, the O-line solid, the defense with you know returning guys that were hurt. Uh, I don't even think it's – I mean, McKenzie, you do the NFL pretty well. Where, where would you rank Denver versus o, or the Raiders if there wasn't a quarterback factor? I think Broncos are top 10, non-quarterback, everything else. I think the Raiders are bottom 10, maybe even bottom 5. If you look at the rush defense, they don't seem to have a a very deep squad at all. Yeah, I I think Gruden, I mean, there's a lot of Gruden skeptics out there, but the one area you got to give Gruden credit for at minimum is Derek Carr is a better quarterback today than he was two years ago. And now he had that one year before he got hurt that was great, but it's been a while since then. And, and, And if you take that away, the Raiders' defense is a mess. And, yeah, they got a running back, but it's at catch-22 of how much is a running back worth. At least the sabermetric guys say not a lot. So I'm interested to see what happens. And if you have a closing thought on this, Jonas, that's fine. And then let's jump to that early preview in the NBA. Well, I, I think what would be interesting is if they, if say Green Bay does the deal with the Raiders and they get back Derek Carr, the plan is still Jordan Love's going to be your guy, right? Jordan no Love's way. Be your quarterback. This first year? Okay. Well, no, no. I'm saying of the future. So uh, if you well, needed, if you needed to buy more time, what if Derek Carr ends up having a good season? You've in, you've in essence walked away from Aaron Rodgers off an MVP year, Derek Carr off a good year, all for Jordan Love. And if Jordan Love well, doesn't but, but work that's out, that's the thing. Would you have to go to Jordan Love? Because it, it seems like to me the offer, and you tell me if you agree with this, the offer Green Bay's made to Aaron Rodgers, at least been reported, pretty much makes it so Jordan Love's out. They maybe they trade and maybe they don't, but the the restructuring would make it where they can't really get off of Rogers as soon as they would have wanted. Which means they admit we were wrong. You were trending down. You trended up again. We're bought in. That seems like the admission Green Bay's yes. made. 
wouldn't they make the same admission if Derek Carr has a good year? But that's that's where the decision comes in. If right now your whole goal is to prove that Jordan Love is your quarterback of the future, then I I don't think you make a trade this year. I I, I just I don't I don't think you. So you're do saying it. they feel like they're exposed to Jordan Love anyway. They got to prove he's right. That's buying time doesn't do anything for you because eventually you're gonna have to prove he's right. I don't think that's true. I think they just have to have a good quarterback in there. Yeah. They, well, yeah. If they walk away from two good quarterbacks to get to Jordan Love and he, and he bombs out, then, then it's going to be one of the most damning decisions two oh, times yeah. over for the organization. But at least they kept their job one more year in that scenario. Yeah, no, very good Which point. is like seven yeah. more million dollars for the GM. Or, I mean, that's real <laughs> money for these people. They're always thinking, can I keep this job one more year? Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up On Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up On Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast from. The Celtics don't have any sense they can win at all. No. Now consider that they've made the conference finals, what, two of the last three years? Yeah. So it's not like it's like saying, hey, get excited about the pigtail match to get into the tournament. Like what they used to do with the wrestlers that weren't very good. They'd have the pigtails out there. And even though you've been in the state finals, to extend the analogy, two of the last three years, I've come around on this concept, by the way. I used to think these are pros. And, yes, some games are down. Some games are up. But come playoffs and such, they're going to be up. You can't turn the dial past 10. You know, that kind of mentality I think I've been wrong about some of that because, you know, Jordan, listen, Jordan is Jordan. But I was watching on YouTube. It just happened to come up. NBA players talking about Jordan, right? And they're talking about they said one thing to him in a preseason game. And three years later, he's still crushing them, you know, getting put up 44. But it really did seem like that though he played hard every game, Jordan had another gear. And when the when when he felt like he was taking it personally, which is the meme, is that he had another level. Well, I don't know about another level above ten, but I think there's players today that have a level below ten, even when you think it wouldn't be possible, like the playoffs. Do you think, Jonas, honestly, that that Celtics team really wants to play a seven-game series against Brooklyn? which is, I guess, if they win tonight is what it would be. And, I mean, what's the chance to win that series? And they, no. you've got to play seven games. You're not making hardly any more money. I mean, I'm not saying they're throwing the game, but how much heart and fire do they really have to go to the Wolves, in a way, if they do win this game? Well, and I also, I've thought about this as well, too. How many of these guys, and I think this is totally human nature, they go to the bubble, 
they're there isolated away from everybody else. They, they're there for a long time. The Celtics were there uh, as long as longer than anybody outside of the other three teams that went to the conference finals. And then you come back on a shortened offseason, and you're already playing games again, and then you're seeing the country open up. I just I think there's a natural fatigue. I think there's a, man, I need to get away from basketball. I need to just get out. I need to, and, and I, I think that's a real thing that's happening, and, and I just wonder if that's also playing a factor, especially late in the season, after the Jalen Brown injury with this Celtics roster. I think that makes human nature sense if you don't think you can win it. Yeah. If you think you can win it, if anything, you drifted probably at the end of the year. And I think any team, and, and, and this is the question, typically in the playoffs, a team like the Phoenix Suns, a team like the Utah Jazz, we downgrade. Why is that? Because the differentiator during the regular season was mostly effort. Yeah, they did a lot of things right, but they differentiated themselves with effort. The Knicks would be another team that falls into that category. Three teams, Utah, Phoenix, and the Knicks, I'd put right at the top of that category. Effort was great. In the playoffs, the assumption is the effort's great by all the teams. So now you don't have that as a differentiation. Now it's just about talent. So a team like the Nets, that maybe the effort wasn't always there, is going to do better relatively. I wonder this year if the effort will, like Phoenix will keep trying, Utah will, the Knicks will, but are we sure that the other teams will? Because if they don't think they can win it, what's the point? So maybe there's some talented, like a Portland. You know, talented team doesn't always try super hard. Is there a possibility they're not going to try super hard because they don't think they can win it? What do you think? No, I, I think it's a, I think it's a real thing, and and I think that that's maybe why a lot of players were against this play in tournament. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com, and within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. 